because I get paid for both the stuff that I build, but also my expertise as an interior designer, I can make sure that the solution I find for my clients is the right one, regardless of how much I physically build. A dollar and 49 cents for an entire year? That's a ridiculous deal. I actually had to double check to make sure, but yeah, that's what it is. You can get a Woodworkers Guild of America premium membership for $1.49 for the full year. Not every month, the full year. That's unlimited access to hundreds of step-by-step -step instructional woodworking videos, exclusive access to live-streamed events with expert woodworkers, and more. With new videos every week and an outrageously large back catalog, this membership has all your woodworking needs covered. It's an easy deal to get. All you need to do is use this link, go.wwgoa.com slash Ethan. A membership like this is normally $88 for the year, but don't worry, I got you the deal of a lifetime. Just use this link and your code is automatically applied. So go to go.wwgoa.com slash Ethan and see for yourself all the benefits you get with a premium guild membership. Last time, go.wwgoa.com slash Ethan for only $1.49. Enjoy. Introducing Astra HP, the newest high-performance innovation in cutting-edge technology from bits and bits. Let me tell you what's new about it. It's incredibly thin, measuring at just 0.3 microns. It's also tougher than ever with an impressive 5,000 Vickers hardness, and it's specially designed to reduce friction and heat buildup, leading to cleaner cuts and longer tool life. Available now on all their newest spiral CNC bits and router bits. So if you want to check it out yourself, go to bitsbits.com. That's B-I-T-S, B-I-T-S dot com. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Hunter Hedenberg, owner of Oak and Main. When you start your furniture company, it can take a few years to learn how you want to run it, the type of furniture you want to make, and the type of furniture that makes you money. Hunter is going through that process right now getting a better understanding of her business as she gets a better understanding of the industry in general. But instead of it being a scary time, she's taking the good and bad experiences that have come her way so far and using everything she's learned to navigate her way to success. Follow along as we talk about jumping right into the industry, being trustworthy with your clients, the difference between designing and building, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Hunter's journey in her own words. I've always been pretty crafty. I've always loved arts and crafts, but it didn't really turn into building things until I bought my house in 2020. So this pandemic project house that my partner and I bought turned out to be a full gut job. We took everything out of it. I mean, we filled three dumpsters. We emptied all the plaster and the lath and the drywall, and uh, there are two rooms with original floors and literally everything else came out. And my stepdad, who was a design and technology teacher for a long time, but is also a general contractor, sort of tutored us through all of this. And what was so great about that is he would show us how to do something and then just be gone for days. Like he'd be like, well, this is how you hang drywall. 
I'll come back when the drywall's hung and I'll show you how to mud. And we would be like, oh, oh, okay, cool, thank you. And he put in, I mean, hundreds of hours of work with us, but for the most part, let us flounder a little bit, which was awesome because it was the fastest way for me to learn how to build things. And also pretty risk-free because it's my own house. You know, if I messed it up, there wasn't a client who's going to be mad at me about that. Um, I was just going to have to redo it. So in 2020, I got a real jumpstart in learning how to build things just in general construction. And then once we we did the general construction on the house, all of a sudden I became a trim carpenter. And the next thing I needed to learn how to do was build things like my kitchen cabinets and my bathroom vanities. And that's really where I hit furniture as kind of a love. I sort of did that classic upcycle a dresser into a bathroom vanity. And I did that for both bathrooms in the house. And that was sort of like, oh, this is really cool. You know, the furniture flipping thing happened. Everybody all of a sudden was flipping furniture as people who have gone through home renovations know, a couple extra bucks is really nice. So I started doing some furniture flipping, realized I didn't actually like painting furniture, um, which is the only real profitable way to flip furniture. You just can't restore it fast enough. Like, you can't turn it around fast enough um, if you're not just painting it. And I was like, well, I hate painting nice furniture with like the depths of my soul. I can't do it. So stopped doing that, got into some more restoration and then kind of realized that like making places home was really what I love. And through the whole process, I like documented the house build on my personal social media. And from there, people started asking me to help them with theirs. We're doing this renovation. Can you help me with the interior design? Can you help me with hanging these shelves? Do you think this should go here? And so basically, friends started hiring me to come over and help them solve the problems in their houses and really realized that I was super into that. So before I left my nine to five, I went back to school and I got a certificate in interior design because I knew that I really like the feel and the look of an overall space. It's not just about an individual piece. I sort of want it all to go together. So went back, got a certificate in interior design, and then married that with all the technical skills that I got building everything from my own house and a couple of small jobs that I already done. And then left my nine to five with a pension and really good health insurance and just floated out on my own. (laughs) I love how your story started like the classic, oh, I bought a house and there was no furniture in it. And then it went quickly into a whole nother realm where there was no furniture in it. But I also tore down every single wall and (laughs) redid all the plumbing and electrical and ripped everything out before I got all the way back to the idea of oh, maybe I should build a piece of furniture for this living room in a brand new living room in the house. So yeah, (laughs) friends and people who are looking at it were saying, you're doing a great job. Come over and do my project. But you were still only either one project in or you were in the middle of that project. What what did that feel like? Obviously, it's it's friends, so there's some forgiveness, but I'm also stressed out by <laughs> the scenario that you found yourself in where you yeah. would jump right in with both feet into something that you were brand new at. Um, I think it starting with friends was a little bit of a safety net for sure. Um, and I also at the time was just so excited that other people 
saw the vision that I had that people recognized that skill in me because I had kind of just found it myself and I was really excited about it. And so I didn't really think to be scared. It it just was like, well, this is awesome and I might get to do a really cool project. And at the time I still had my nine to five. So financially I was okay. I didn't need this project to work out to keep the lights on. It was a really purely a learning opportunity. I had the ability to like maybe take a loss on a job that I wasn't so skilled in because I I didn't need it to pay my mortgage. So there's a little bit of freedom there. And then the other part of it was that I just practiced saying yes to stuff and then researching the hell out of it and just really, really doing my homework. Talking about homework and and learning, and I want to talk obviously about the furniture and and the building and building that business. But I'd like to start with when you decided to get your interior design certificate. And number one, why you decided to do that. And number two, how are you feeling that has has sort of set you apart from the standard design build furniture business? Yeah. I think the interior design cert is a huge asset. And part of it is that it enables me to do work that isn't purely physical for me. So, you know, when you build furniture as you're living, you can only get paid what you can physically accomplish. And sometimes you're sick and sometimes you're tired and sometimes you just want to stay in your pajamas. And I can do interior design work in my pajamas. So I can do remote work from my computer and still get paid for it, which is a little bit of like a lifestyle and like a health decision for me. That wasn't the initial motivation. I went and got my interior design certificate because I really like it. As a person making a career choice, I really enjoy interior design. I like watch a lot of bad HGTV shows. (laughs) But I think it really helps me in the design build business because for as much as I like interior design, I wouldn't want to do it all the time. I do like as a human being, like really need to make things to feel fulfilled. And so the building has to be a part of it. But what's really nice about having the two together, and what I think sets me apart a little bit is that whenever a client comes to me, they have some sort of problem in their house that they need solved. They don't have enough storage, the room, the flow of the room is weird, like whatever it is, like that is why somebody comes to you is because they, they need a problem solved and they can't find it off the shelf. That's why they need custom furniture. And as a designer, because I get paid for both the stuff that I build, but also my expertise as an interior designer, I can make sure that the solution I find for my clients is the right one, regardless of how much I physically build. You know, if somebody comes to you and they need storage in their dining room, as a furniture maker, you're only getting paid if they decide to build a giant buffet or like a credenza or something, right? But if I, as an interior designer, look at that and I realize that that's not the right solution for them and really they need three hanging shelves, then I still get paid for my time talking them through that solution, even if I don't build them a really high-end piece. And so I think that having the two together is really important because I can make sure that my clients get the right solution for the room overall, even if that means less physical building work for me. So that's a a nice dual career that you have that is interchangeable. Yeah, it it definitely helps me feel like it's worth it to get 
into that process with a client because you know when like a client comes to you and they have an idea and you as a professional kind of realize that that's not the right thing as a furniture maker you don't want to get too far down that road because you know it's going to pan out into nothing you're going to have wasted your time you're going to have built out all these quotes it's not going to end up being worth it but if somebody comes to me and they're like I have this problem I need solving and I can say great as a designer I'm going to help you solve this problem and that's going to cost you X amount of money. And then once the problem is solved, then maybe there's more work for me after that. But I, it, it lessens the risk of getting too far down the road and ending up not getting paid. When you're marketing yourself, when you, you stepped beyond the just friends and family and started to make things for people in the real world that you didn't have any connections with, when you're marketing, are you marketing more the interior design or more the furniture? Because they are together, but they're also very separate and clients can just be interested in one or the other. Yeah, they definitely are. And I have some clients who are just interior design and I have some clients who are purely build and they don't want my design services. And that's totally fine. I work with them both. We're talking right at the end of 2023. And so you're actually catching me at a time where I'm like just transitioning what I'm marketing. So when I first started, which was about a year ago, I just took whatever. I was like, I am taking clients. Um, And so I ended up doing mostly building and some like, honestly, just general construction stuff. I painted doors. I hung prefab nightstands. Like I did a lot of stuff that I just was like, can I make this work? And so pretty much everything was building up until that point. As of right now, now that things are a little bit more established, I have some more projects under my belt. I am sort of transitioning into projects that use both skill sets a little bit more, maybe some more straight up interior design. But so far in every interior design project I've had, I've ended up building something because I want that just right solution for the design that I've worked so hard on. So I am turning a little bit more towards the interior design stuff. Um, And then in the furniture side of things, I am trying to do a little bit more of my own work, like my own projects and making like a limited furniture collection that I want to put out because that's what I came up with. You know, I think that's definitely a luxury as a furniture maker, just getting to make what you want to make. And then those are aspirational. That's great. The meat of my business is cabinetry. So I love doing interior design and I love would love to do more of it. But the the meat of my business is mudrooms, laundry rooms, kitchen islands. Like that is the stuff that really makes up most of my week. And I like it. It's great. It's a great backbone to my business. I cut a lot of plywood. The explanation you just gave showcases perfectly why I like to talk to people who are in their first, second, third year, in the beginning of their business, because you're still learning. And you have that excitement in the beginning and everybody has that excitement in the beginning. Oh, I love building things. Oh, I can do this during the day and I don't have to punch in at a a business. I don't have to sit on a computer. I can build things. But then that excitement and that glamour wears off when you realize this is your job. You're building every day. You're in the shop and you have to build stuff. And you said it before that if you're not building something, then you're not getting paid for it in the furniture world. And in those first couple years, it separates people who really just thought it was fun. And when it's not fun anymore, they drop out. And people who started 
with their head in the clouds and imagining one thing and it becoming a reality that it it isn't just this dream job. It is actually a job and then pivoting and seeing where people go. So how you were explaining that is, is <laughs> something that I'm always interested in hearing about younger businesses start. Great. So thank you for, for answering <laughs> yeah. that question exactly uh, exactly how, how it should have been answered. Yeah, I would say that cabinetry is definitely the thing that I learned in the first year is like, I'm going to keep my lights on. That is the skill that I didn't picture myself doing. Um, it was the classic thing. A, a lovely couple who lives right up the road from me came to me and said, we want a new kitchen island. Can you build it? And have you built cabinets before? And they literally came over to my house and toured my kitchen. Because at that point, those were the only cabinets that I had built were my own. Um, and having only ever done one kitchen, they had faith in me. Um, and, you know, a big part of it, and they told me this very openly, was that like, they're two women, they wanted to support a woman. Um, and so they were like, we see what you've done. We like what you've done. We want to support a woman in the trades. So they hired me to build their kitchen island. And I hadn't done cabinets before that for anybody else. And they just had a lot of faith in me, which was great. And it really incentivized me to do a really good job. And through that, through that one job where I just said yes and decided I'd figure it out as I got there, they helped me find the backbone of my business. And nearly every project that I have booked for the spring is a cabinetry job now. It's great to get a lot of customers in the door, but it can also be hard because you get that backlog of work, which might seem amazing saying, oh, I have so much work coming in the door. But if you can't scale your business, especially as a small business, then it can really just destroy you because you just don't have time and you end up upsetting a lot of clients and alienating a lot of people who yeah. are not going to be giving you good reviews or not going to be telling their friends. So when you're saying yes to these things, you have a little bit of a safety net of the ability to scale up and scale down a team that can help you out with bigger projects or bigger installs. And if you look at your website, you showcase everybody who's on that team. But I want to go a little bit deeper into how you're you're adding and subtracting people as you need. Yeah. It's a <laughs> it's a highly personal business. So all of those people who are listed on my website, they are my stepdad, they are my partner of 7 years and my mom. Those are the people listed on my website because they are genuinely the people who help me the most and they are the people who will occasionally like clients will see them on jobs and so I don't want my clients to just like just have random people showing up with me. I want them to know who's coming. And this is a super personalized situation, but they all are just willing because they love me to come help me. Um, and I think that that's like a super common, especially early small business resource is like the friends and family. So like my biggest asset right now is my stepdad who has like 30 years of experience and recently retired from his teaching career. So he has plenty of time um, and he pulls me out of tight spots a lot. And I guess like the, the bigger, more applicable advice is finding people who you trust who aren't dependent on you. Because if I had an employee who was dependent on me for their livelihood, my stress levels would go through the roof. But because none of the people who help me are dependent on me, 
they just have faith in me, I know that I can call on them kind of guilt-free. It's a beautiful position to be in for for where you are in your business, where you don't need a full-time employee, you don't even really need a part-time employee, and these are people who are going to be helping you out anyway, whether you know emotionally or physically, and if they're willing to help you carry some furniture or install some things, and they're trustworthy and have the skills, then there's nothing wrong with that, and that's a great example of using every single thing around you. You said in the beginning when you were flipping the house that any house flipper knows the value of saving a few extra dollars and any first-time furniture company owner and any person who's starting out knows the value of not having to bring on an employee and being stressed about that. So it seems like a, a great setup for you and hopefully a great setup for your family. I don't know how good it is for my family to answer calls at 7.30 in the morning when I'm in a panic, but it is great for me. (laughs) I want to talk about your pricing a little bit. And we talked about how you have the interior design part. And so that is a separate business and we don't need to go down how you're pricing for that. But I do want to talk about how you're pricing for your furniture. So let's talk about the furniture pricing, how you're doing that, and how you're presenting that to your interior design and also your furniture clients. Yeah. So my clients come to me kind of either as an interior design forward client or a build forward client. And through talking to them through that process, I determine, specifically if they come to me as a build client, I basically determine whether or not I need to charge them a design fee. Um, If they come to me and you know, one example is I have a client, I'm working on her stuff right now. She has a, it's like a cabinet and a bookshelf and she just wants it remade. She likes the exact form. She just wants it remade because the previous owner made it out of like half inch ply. I don't need to do really any design work for that. All the designing is like writing cut lists. It's not, I'm not reworking the room. I'm not replanning it. I'm using the exact same footprint. So she, I don't, charge her a design fee. If somebody comes to me as a build client and says, we want something built here, but we don't know what it is, if they have a less clear vision, then I'll charge that person a design fee and then get into the pricing for the build. I use time and materials for the build. So I send them a quote of how much I think the materials are going to be, how much much time I think it's going to take me. And then I always round up on that because that's just good practice (laughs) because it will take me more time than I think it will. That was a lesson that I also had to learn quite early. Things like when I first started, I didn't account how much time it took me to load and unload my truck. It just takes forever. Stuff like that just takes forever. So um, time and materials include all of the time, include the time it takes you to go buy the materials, like all of that stuff. Then I asked my clients up front for the design fee if I charge them one the materials costs, and then half of the labor because I need something to live off of while I actually build their piece, keep track of everything over the course of the job, and then present them the full invoice at the end and ask for whatever is left that they haven't already paid me. What do you think is the most unexpected or eye-opening thing that you (laughs) had no idea about when you decided to start a furniture company? And now that you've been doing it, you realize, how did I not 
see that? And how how did I not know that was going to be an issue? Uh, there are so many answers to that question. I think the one that surprised me the most and actually uh, incentivized me to start like a whole other service on my website in the design section is because I came into it having done a full house, like literally, you know, guts to trim. I know a lot more about how houses are built. And it didn't occur to me that not everybody knows that. And so when people come to me asking for custom builds or interior designer stuff, I spend a lot of time explaining to people why things in their houses are the way they are. And I think it's really important to do that in a way that isn't condescending because that will turn you off from like a potential client will be turned off from you immediately if you come in and are condescending to them about something that you think is basic, but not everybody knows. That's honestly why I get a lot of my clients is because they're like, I had somebody in and he was a real jerk to me. (laughs) So that one I think is really important is just realizing that like, you're the expert and you have to explain stuff that you think is obvious and you can't be a jerk about it. The furniture industry is changing and evolving, but I would be remiss if I if I said it was already there and it was already to the point where everybody feels comfortable in this industry. You coming from it as a younger woman in the trades, what has been your perspective on the industry so far? I think there is a conversation to be had around being like a young solo woman in the building profession. And I live in in northern Vermont, and I am like really right in there with like the privileges that I have. But there's definitely something to be said for being a woman in a male-dominated trade. And the thing that I think actually really helps me is that most of my clients are women, and they come to me because I try to put out high-quality work and be really trustworthy. And um, a lot of my clients have had negative experiences with other builders, which is actually why they come to me. Like I, I redo a lot of work because people got subpar work, but I definitely feel as a woman in the trades, I definitely feel the pressure to make sure that everything I put out is exemplary. And I think that that is something that men just getting into the trades maybe don't feel as much, but because there is that little bit of like implied criticism already I really feel like my work has to be just meeting and exceeding the standard all the time. What are some things for people who are starting out in this business that you wish you knew when you were starting out? And what are some things that now that you're a little bit further along the line could share with people who have furniture companies but want to do that better? Yeah, I like have a couple of... of... Throw them all out there. Okay, okay. My first one is that even your chillest clients are going to be a little bit pickier than you think they are. And that's a good thing because you want them to give you their feedback while you're still building and not after you're done. Somebody who refuses to give you any opinions on anything that you're doing may wait until after the project is done to tell you that they don't like something. And so like, Getting your clients' feedback is not a reflection on you. It's actually really, really helpful. It's a lot easier to fix stuff before the finish goes on. Like a lot easier. 
And then the other one, you know, we talked about this a little bit already is like, say yes to jobs. If it's an area of work that you want to do, say yes when the opportunity comes around and figure out how to do it and like set your pricing accordingly. So whether that means you know it's going to take you more time or you're nervous that the quality won't be as high, but like take the jobs in the arena of work that you want. Because if you never take those jobs because you're nervous, you're never going to get that work. I hear what you're saying. And I know that your your motto is personality over perfection. But I have to say that that <laughs> the way you know your business, even even with this short amount of time into it, it's really personality and perfection. So <laughs> I I applaud you for 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 learning so much so quickly and for really putting out a lot of quality work with a lot of quality clients. So Oh, thanks. <laughs> I want to thank you for for sitting down with me and and sharing everything you've been through so far and I'm really excited to see where your company goes and wish you nothing but success moving forward in it. Yeah, I'm also excited to see where it goes. We will see. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at The Build with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.